Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on today's program, lots of headlines to look at, quite a few things going on. So we have quite a few headlines uh, to talk about today. Also, uh, very interesting, there's a new survey out showing that uh, millennials are having a quarter-life crisis. You thought a midlife crisis was bad. Now it's a quarter-life crisis. We've got some great uh, tips for uh, overcoming those types of things in life. We'll take a look at those at the end, that and more on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG, online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com. Appreciate you listening live, and then also uh, we have people listen uh, on the, some of our uh, posts on SoundCloud and so forth. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today. Grant, what do you think the number one city is in the world for listening to Trumpet Radio Live in the last seven days? Uh, Chicago? Copenhagen. No way. Yeah. Wow. Chicago is up there. They were close to lot, lot mostly U.S. cities, but the top two actually uh, cities were in um, uh, Denmark there, and then uh, Australia. <clears throat> so it is when, when our little intro thing says broadcasting around the world. We're not kidding. It's for real. <laughs> I love it when we get listeners uh, from places like that or China or Russia. It's just really exciting to know that. Uh, people are hearing about it somehow. Yeah, and uh, they kept coming back, <laughs> so that's good. <clears throat> uh, interesting note to start here, just a quick animal note that I saw. that You might have heard about this. There's a bunch of penguins that they just found. Uh, there's 1,503,054. Very specific. Who counted them? <laughs> uh, that's a number of uh, Adeli, if that's how you say it, penguins recently found to be living on the Danger Islands near Antarctica. Uh, and here's what's interesting about it. Scientists located the previously unknown penguin colony because it produced enough waste to be seen from space. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they were looking at the space images, and they thought, what's that? And it turned out to be the waste of uh, one and a half million penguins. <laughs> That's why they call it the Danger Islands. <laughs> That's right. They're taking over the entire island. That's a, not, a hor- not a great place to live anymore, probably. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't look into it, um, but it seems I, I just thought it was kind of funny, too, and they, they said they found all these animals, because you always hear about different animals that they think are dying out and so forth, and I don't think the penguins are on that list necessarily, but... Uh, you know, they just they just found another you know one and a half million. So you have to just think there's there's a lot of things out there that we don't know about. I mean, the fact that there's one and a half million of them and we didn't know about them. Uh, there was a really actually kind of a neat photo the other day too that made the rounds. There's a uh, some remote cameras they have set up in different parts of the world, and I think one was in Antarctica, and it got photo bombed by two penguins. They just both <laughs> happened to look down like, "What's that?" and it snapped the picture, <laughs> and so that made the rounds on the internet. So they were curious penguins. It's great to see different types of uh, new species that always come out, and it's it's pretty frequently that scientists are discovering new things, especially 
uh, from the depths of the ocean. We just never know what's down there or at either of the poles of the of the earth. There's just so much out there, and it just really does spark the imagination. It's really exciting. Yeah, Australia is always the worst place for animals, I think, because they they have the strange ones. There's a story today about this. 300 plus pound fish that washed up on the shore and nobody knows what it is <laughs> it's dead and uh and then also a giant spider in australia they they got footage of it it was there was a flood and so it was trying to escape so it was clinging to a tree branch it was i think it was a tarantula some sort of tarantula bigger than a man's hand and it was there and it was hissing Ooh. <laughs> so uh that uh, i can't uh, imagine encountering something like that we have tarantulas around here uh, but I'm not that big usually, and I've never heard a spider hiss. The hissing part really stands out. That's that's just terrifying. <laughs> that would just make you run away as fast as you could. Yeah, you know, the spider's got to learn a couple lessons. If you want help, don't hiss. <laughs> you know, do sing a pleasant song or something. <laughs> You're terrifying enough without the hissing. The hissing is puts not, it over the top. Nobody nobody hears hissing and looks to help. They always <laughs> go go away. So interesting animal uh, headlines. Lots going on in the news. This is a big story out of Texas. You might have seen this from yesterday. Uh, police link two deadly package bombs in Austin, Texas, to earlier attack. So this is kind of strange. Two package bombs left outside homes in Austin, Texas, exploded on Monday, killing a teenager and injuring two women in attacks that police uh, think are linked to a deadly blast earlier this month in the same area. The latest bombings came as the Texas Capitol hosted its annual South by Southwest Music Technology and Film Festival downtown. The victims in all three cases were African-American or Hispanic, and police said they were examining the attacks as possible hate crimes. I don't think they have anything to go on there for right now, but they always throw that out there. It says in each of the three attacks, a cardboard package was left at the front of a private residence and exploded after an unwitting victim picked it up or tried to open it. The packages that exploded on Monday were not delivered by any mainstream commercial shipping service, such as Federal Express or the UPS. So somebody just showed up, um, left a box, people picked it up, and it exploded. So this is a sort of a serial bombing that's going on there in Austin, Texas. Interesting timing with this South by Southwest Music Festival. They don't think there's any threat there, but everybody needs to be vigilant. And you said they connected it to a previous crime yeah. of some kind, too? Same, the same sort of... Uh, you know, uh, situation where another package was left. Oh, okay. Earlier, so two yesterday, and then uh, there was an earlier one, I guess, a few weeks back, hmm. and they think they're related because it was the I same, see. the same sort of uh, deal. So, uh, pretty interesting. I, you know, but anybody would do that if you open your door and you saw a box there. You'd think, oh, what's that? And everyone would fall for it. That's right. That's pretty, a pretty, uh, I guess, diabolically smart way to attack and who knows if it does have something to do with that festival that festival has been uh, pretty prestigious over the years it's taken a pretty hard shift toward the left and austin is pretty much known as like the san francisco of texas or like the communist capital of texas so i don't know if there's any sort of retaliation there going on yeah it's very interesting to see so um anyway they were the fbi was out there yesterday and they had it all you know the police tape up and everything and so no no other details. Of course, remember, oh, it was a few decades back, the Unabomber. He was infamous for mailing packages and letters to people that would explode. I think he mailed them, or he put them in their mailbox. I can't remember exactly, but he, he they were always looking for him, then they caught him finally. Uh, I think it was Ted Kaczynski. I think that was his name, if I remember correctly. But in any event, uh, 
this so this is another situation and it's hard to say is it the same person is it a group is it a copycat what what's is, is it random is it targeted you know that's those are the things they're looking at right and also i just wonder how they would even make a bomb like that because it seems like it's extremely sensitive if someone's just picking it up and that sets it off uh you'd want to be really careful even putting it down in the first place yeah i wonder a lot of people have uh surveillance outside their homes so i wonder if they have any video of like who delivered these packages and you have to think too if you're a a postal worker or work for FedEx or EPS in the Austin area, this is going to be some tense times because you're going to show up and people are going to be looking at you like, mm. what, what's going on here? Hey, I'm just delivering a package. But <laughs> so it puts a lot of people on edge there in Austin and that big festival's going on. So we'll see what happens uh, with all that. Um, do, I would, they, do they know much about the victims besides their race? Uh, they're, yeah, no, I mean, they know who they are, but there is nothing really connecting them as far as what they've revealed so far. Mm-hmm. Um, because they clearly didn't, obviously, since they didn't use a mainstream shipping service, did the person who made the bombs just drop them off himself? I mean, it's, they didn't want the people delivering the mail to get hurt. They wanted the people at those addresses to get hurt. So it just makes you question why they would pick those specific houses yeah that's and that's what they're looking at right now so could be more coming out on that here uh, in the near future uh i've been to austin uh, last summer i was down there so when things hit, it's really beautiful really yeah, nice when, yeah. when things hit areas that you've been in you know it, it is you, you think oh i remember you know being down there it, actually you know uh we were talking about over the weekend there was this uh, irish dance uh, contest down in dallas uh, that we both went to, and uh, not because we're dancers, <laughs> but we have relatives who are. And uh, they had. Did you see that um, uh, board they had out front with the girl's picture on it from Florida? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. I believe she was one that was killed in the school shooting. Really? Yeah, and they were raising some money, you know, for her, or you could make a donation or something. She was oh, from that. Okay. If if I read it correctly, there's a lot of people around. I was trying to see through it, but I think that's what happened. So, you know, you you. It really is a small world in a lot of ways, and you you kind of come into contact with people or or places, and then sometimes a tragedy occurs, and you you know you think, wow, that's not that far removed from where I've been or somebody I might have encountered or something like that. I thought that way last year uh, in October when they had that Las Vegas shooting, we were we were there uh, in March, and so when you've just been there several months beforehand, and then you can still vividly picture the exact spot where the shooting took took place it is quite haunting yeah it is and it just highlights that you know how much we do need protection from god because how you how do we know how would you know if a you know if you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time not to even mention something is is uh common as a car accident or there's a helicopter crash in new york you know i think they were taking a tour and they you know you never expect those things but sometimes they happen so uh, here's a here's that continuing story out of uh, Britain. There, it's kind of a uh, well, it's that poisoning. The those two, I guess, it was a former spy, and his daughter got poisoned. You've probably seen a lot about this on the news, but now, and and it, it points back to Russia pretty clearly. Theresa May yesterday gave Russia's Vladimir Putin until midnight tonight to explain the Salisbury spy poisoning or face the wrath of Britain. What is that exactly? Is think Vladimir Putin is scared about the wrath of Britain coming down on him? Yeah, he must be losing a lot of sleep right now. I mean, it's sad that we're even having to point out that he's he's not scared because at one time he would have been if Britain had maintained its power. But they've pretty much given up their entire entire navy, just 
just turned over them their their wealth to the welfare state instead of building up their military so there's not really much that britain could do on that front uh probably america wouldn't back them up if they decided to drop sanctions because mr trump wants to try to coexist with vladimir putin right now there's not really a whole lot that they could really do it it would seem it was an extremely deadly uh, chemical used as a nerve agent called Novichok, if that's how you pronounce it, and uh, really a deadly, deadly um, poison. And how, how it kills is that it overrides the body's system. So messages from the nerves to the muscles are blocked. The brain begins to shut down. Of course, there's vomiting. Lungs fill with fluid. Heart rate rises and then drops to dangerous levels, and there's dysentery. And then it's death by heart failure or suffocation. And there's not a lot of places where you could get this type of poison. So and that's the same thing that happened with the, the poisoning of that guy in Britain, a uh, former spy a few years ago. Like, There's not a lot of places you can get the whatever they <laughs> used. And you can trace it back pretty much to Russia in that case anyway. So they say, okay, well, what, what would the U.K. do? How would they hit back? They said they could kick out Russian diplomats. Uh, strip Russian media of its right to broadcast in the UK. Stay away from World Cup in Russia. <laughs> We're going to penalize you by not participating in the World Cup. I well, that know. would hurt England way more than it would yeah, hurt exactly. Russia. Toughen up sanctions, they say, or freeze assets of Russian uh, oligarchs. So we'll see what they try to do here. I don't. It'll be interesting to see. I don't think any of those measures would really bother the Russians too much. But you think about how, how deadly that is. I mean, they killed somebody, we think, and it appears that Russia did, uh, in a different country. I mean, that's a, that's a terror attack. And what would have stopped them from using that chemical and just drop it down in, in uh, London? This stuff was so poisonous that people that showed up got sick from it. It is designed to um, permeate NATO chemical protection suits. You show up in a NATO-issued chemical protection suit doesn't matter this will still kill you so this this was a former russian official of some sort and his daughter who got poisoned right, right. yeah he was an ex-russian spy sergey uh skirpal 66 and his daughter and they were found unconscious in this bench in salisbury on sunday so you, there's you know the footage and they're just kind of oh. out on this bench people you know go to find out um what's going on and the people that showed up to check on him got sick <sighs> Uh, because of how poisonous this is, did they? So they did die in the hospital. Uh, they are. Let's see. Because they were in there. I know they were in there for a few days. Yeah. Recently. So. Yes, I'm not. I I didn't get the latest update on where they are or the people that came there. But anyway, they're they're it wasn't dealing look, with this. It wasn't looking good. Definitely from at least last I heard, which was yesterday. So I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, it's there's a it's quite a quite a situation there. The 500 people were told to wash their clothes, phones, and glasses oh. because they possibly came into contact with the nerve agent just being in that area. And they had some footage, uh, I believe, surveillance footage of a woman in a, a black mask walking around about an hour before these two were in that park. And so they're thinking that's that's who put the, the nerve agent there. And they, did they eat that on accident? Is that how... It happens. Just, just comes into contact with okay. your with your body, from my understanding. So <laughs> it was around. They put it around, and and uh, and they they said too. You know the fact that it was at this park. They they're very careful about how they poison people. They didn't want to do it, I guess, at their house, or at least it didn't work mm-hmm. out that way. But they say a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just watch you for a while. Yeah, and they get to know your routine. That's and they, the worst part of it yeah. to me, just to know that people are 
they know more about you almost than you do. Like sometimes we do things in everyday life that we don't even realize are a routine, but certain people know, know what other people's routines are because that's their whole job. And that's all they're doing is just spying on you. Yep. So they knew that they would go to this park apparently. And that's what happened. And, uh, so, but yeah, I mean, you do just have to stop and think, wow. I mean, what if they drop that, that stuff, in the middle, you know, London or, you know, put it down on the subway or something. How many people get, you wouldn't even know, like you'd have no idea. It does highlight a lot of things. <laughs> it highlights the, I think the weakness, obviously of Britain, because they, they probably won't do much. Uh, it highlights the reach of Russia. And, and it also highlights just the fact of how deadly chemical weapons can be if people choose to deploy them. Yeah. Is, is there any way England would possibly do something like this in retaliation? You can't imagine that they ever would uh, because, there's a there's broken will. Uh, it used to be that our nations would retaliate with probably about ten times the force if anything like this ever happened. Uh, I mean, we've we've seen instances recently of uh, our prisoners being swapped out for top terrorist leaders and just totally uneven <laughs> trades, basically rewarding anyone who would dare to uh, kidnap our citizens. And here's just another example. Uh, this is someone who took asylum in England, and clearly there's no real protection there. They've done it in the past in that specific nation, and now they've done it again. Uh, that probably shows a lot of people in Russia, too. You don't want to defect. You don't want to betray the people in, in charge of your life because otherwise you could die from it. Yeah, it's an absolute message that we can find you. We can reach you, and that that would be pretty haunting for people. Mm. And then, But then, you know, then... Uh, Britain sends their own message, which is, I will talk tough maybe, but we'll see what they do. I don't know, but we are not going to respond in kind, obviously. And I'm not saying that they should, but you, you ha- you'd have to let people know that is not acceptable in our country. That better never happen here. So how they respond to it will be, uh, you know, it sends a message back. And to me, at this point, it's a message of weakness. Even the message that Theresa May already sent out was pretty discouraging because She's giving him time to explain it, and she says, if, if you don't explain it the way we uh, want to hear, then we will retaliate. So if he gives you an explanation that you deem satisfactory, you're not going to do anything about it at all? Is that what you're trying to say here? Really? He, you, you just had someone, two people, pretty much poisoned to death if if they end up dying, which it looks like they might, and you're just going to let him explain it away, basically. Yeah, it reminds me sort of of like the... The, the parent uh, at the store that's not in control of the kids and they say, oh, no, you better settle down or I'll I'll do something. But, you know, now nah, they're not going to do anything. And so there's no behavioral changes yeah. there. And well, what do they expect, you know, Russia to say or Vladimir Putin? Yeah, we did it. He'll probably be like, I don't know. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, what is one of the characteristics of that nation? It'll lie. Just lie all the time. He doesn't really care about <laughs> no. these types of uh, international squabbles. A lot of people in other nations try to guilt him into making some sort of humiliating confession, and he just basically laughs in their face. He's not going to admit anything. He doesn't have to. No one's forcing him by f- by actual real force uh, to say anything, so of course he's not going to. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, there's a story. This is... Uh 
I guess they're focusing on the, the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton slipped down some stairs in India. That's not the point I want to focus on. It can happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, what she said when she was in India, that's what I think is interesting. This is from the American Mirror. Uh, she, Hillary Clinton was in uh, India promoting her book, What Happened? Uh, I haven't read it and uh, don't plan to, but it's uh, <laughs> it's about what happened in the election. So she's on this world tour talking about the election and um, being very negative towards the side that actually won the election. So going around saying these things in foreign lands and the U.S. as well. They say, yes, she's still bitter about losing to President Trump. Uh, Here's a report coming out of India. Hillary Clinton suggested that people who supported President Trump in 2016 did so because, quote, they didn't like black people getting rights. Really? Or women getting jobs during a discussion at the India Today conclave on Sunday. So here she goes to India, and she's like, she says, well, the only reason I lost is because people that voted for President Trump, they didn't like black people getting rights or women getting jobs. That's that's completely false. Now, you can never know the thinking of every individual, but in in general, that wasn't the case. I think what resonated with people is they wanted a strong economy. They wanted America to be great again. But she says, no, 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 no. If you if you voted that way, then uh, it's because you're racist or you're sexist. She says, if you look at a map of the United States, there's all that red in the middle where Trump won. Hey, we're in we're in the red zone. <laughs> she said, I win the coast. I win Illinois. I win Minnesota. Places like that. What the map doesn't show you is that I won the places that represent two thirds of America's gross domestic product. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward. His whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. I think, well, so what is she looking forward to, though? If Make America Great Again is looking backwards, what's forwards? Make America terrible? (laughs) Destroy it as we know it? I mean, what what, what was, I don't even remember, what was her campaign? Uh, Stronger Together. Stronger Together. Well, then other people started saying, I'm with her. But her campaign was actually Stronger Together. Stronger Together. Okay, well, except, I, I guess, for all those people she hates in the middle <laughs> that she just keeps on beating over the head with these types of speeches that she's giving it's just ne- it just never lets up with her and the remarkable part right now is that she even is on a book tour about a book that she wrote about the election when the real question is what happened with all the people colluding with you to try to bring down the trump presidency what about all your collusion with russia can you write a book about that and explain it because a lot of people are wondering why exactly there's a Russia-Trump investigation even going on when there's been no proof of anything at all. Yeah, that, we're going to talk about that story in a minute, too. It's just really a bad look and for for her and for the United States. You remember when people used to lose an election and then graciously come out and say, you know, it was a hard-fought campaign, but let's get behind the president and let's support this and move forward. You know, we're all Americans. People, At least in public, people used to say that. And then she's just going around uh, calling at least half of the nation, half of the United States, racist and sexist. Which is a demonstrable lie. I mean, where you live here, there's we don't see any racism or sexism in these parts hardly ever. I, I can't recall any specific instances of anything like that at all. Uh, but she's basically demoting these people to the level of animals, the way that she talks about about people in the middle of the country 
the ones who are the farmers and the the ones who had the blue collar type jobs. I mean, the vast majority of them do live in these areas and she just has total disdain for them. It's, it's no wonder why she lost when she keeps on publicly denouncing them. She called them a basket of deplorables and she said they're irredeemable. (laughs) Irredeemable is something that you say, uh, if you have like the spiritual authority to to know that that's that's something that God decides if someone's irredeemable and she said that about uh, the vast uh, middle portion of this entire country who is she to say something like that well it's amazing I mean did she she not do anything wrong in her campaign like she didn't do anything that didn't work um, or maybe people just didn't like her message or maybe they didn't like her that happens. <laughs> but from what she's saying, either you agreed with her or you're a racist or a sexist. That's uh that's a pretty tough thing to go around saying about a country <laughs> that you hope to live in, I guess. What what would have happened if she had won? What would she have done with all those people? Uh that's that's a worrisome thing to even try to consider uh, because if she doesn't like them that much, what kind of laws would she encourage to be passed? What kind of executive orders would she uh, take it's just a pretty a pretty slippery slope when you have that kind of a hatred for so many people that live within your country it does remind me of that book 1984 which coincidentally a lot of liberals bought after mr trump was elected president even though it shows the end result of a socialist state uh it's mr leap was mr dennis leap was talking about that on just the best literature recently and just concluded his segment about that book but he's talking about how in Britain, once the Socialist Party took over, they had this ministry of truth, which really all it was was a ministry of lies. It told lies constantly. Anytime uh, this guy, Big Brother, said anything that was wrong and it was recorded in the newspapers, they'd have to go back into the papers and fix every lie or every wrong prediction. They would spew out stats that were completely made up in someone's mind. They would tell lies so much and erase all record of truth so that no one could dispute uh, any of the lies being told. I mean, this is what you see from the left right now. They, they lie and everyone knows they're lying, but they keep on lying. And at some point they want to make it where you can't dispute what they're saying. Uh, The, her saying that so many people are racist and sexist and yet us living here we never see it at all it's a lie she's lying about it and yet she keeps on lying about it we just have to wonder when it's ever going to stop yeah it's getting it's getting worse and worse so uh sad to see that happening there in uh, i guess in india on that book tour this, stronger together too i mean that's that's yeah. that was her that was her slogan and yet <laughs> She's constantly dividing people. That's her whole job, it seems like now. She she literally doesn't have another job. She's just dividing people. Well, right, and I don't think it's a great stretch to say that the big concern was winning. It wasn't actually to do anything positive with America. It was just to win at all costs. This time of year uh, is spring break time for people i guess and sometimes people have a nice little break and other times they have a break that's not so nice uh they go to some of these spring break get togethers and uh the daily mail has a write-up about this just talking about some of the debauchery there in fort lauderdale florida the first weekend of spring break and you can guess the usual uh drugs uh 
uh, lewd behavior, <laughs> alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they talk about that. And of course, I think it's always uh, an embarrassment for the U.S. seeing, uh, you know, having these other outlets put up all these pictures and everything of what they're doing there and those those uh, get-togethers. And uh, a related story to that, you know, just thinking about the morals of, uh, say, the younger people in the U.S. in particular, uh, they're not good, obviously, and, and the numbers and things are, are pretty bad as well. This is out of, I think it's Pennsylvania. Uh, Beaver County sees uptick in STD numbers among young people. Uh, this one, um, Dr. Frank DeSenko, for, he works for Premier Women's Health, said, I think that the younger population is more promiscuous today than probably ever before. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good uh, guess, just based upon what you see out there. The numbers are really, really amazing. Uh, quite concerning, they say, is an uptick in the number of gonorrhea and chlamydia cases and HIV spreading among 15 to 24-year-olds in that particular county. It's exploding. <laughs> well, whenever you treat sex like it's a recreational activity, something that you do for fun, uh, especially on the weekends, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and it is, I mean, that's just the result that you would expect. A lot of disease resulting from that, even though entertainment and the movie industry doesn't show that side of it well they they glamorize the promiscuity and the infidelity in in all of these different movies but they don't show all of the horrible diseases that you get from it yeah i mean that's those are the the two sides of the coin right i mean you've got the the party on the beach where everyone's going crazy and then you've got the the real world consequences in this particular county there in uh, pennsylvania i think it is they say that uh, gonorrhea among 15 to 24-year-old men and women is up 34% in one year. HIV, 300% Ugh. increase. Uh, and, of course, that is concerning people. Uh, Dr. Karen Hacker said, Our incidence rates for uh, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and HIV have and, have and continue to exceed the state's uh, incidence rates, so there's more in this particular county. Uh, they, this doctor, Dr. De, uh, DeSenko, believes this generation of high school and college students don't recognize the risk. He said, I've seen high school students who tell me they've had multiple partners, young as 14, and that they, uh, they just call them their, their partners. They're just friends. Yes, just, we're just friends. That's what happens. So why are the numbers among young people rising? Uh, the students at the the campus where a lot of this is happening had these responses. They said, I guess people don't think it's uh, that much of a big deal, especially with the advancement in medical care. See, they think that, oh, yeah, everybody's going to get these things, but there's a pill for that or there's something I can take. So surely the doctors will solve the problem. We can sin, and but we've got a pill to get away from the consequences of it. But you don't get away from the consequences of it, not not in terms of disease, but also just what it does mentally and emotionally. And it's uh, something that we've been talking about a lot recently, how Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong uh, was so far ahead of his time with the things that he wrote about and spoke about. And even in the, the Plain Truth About Healing booklet, he's talking about not putting your trust in doctors and modern medicine. There might be a few uses for a doctor here and there, uh, but when that becomes the God in your life and it it's it's the savior of your health, apparently, uh, look at look at the activities that, that that actually encourages it a lot of stupid behavior because you think you can fall back on the doctor saving you 
And uh, you won't be surprised to hear what the experts say as far as how to solve the problem. They say we need more proper education. Don't teach just abstinence. Teach people how to protect themselves. You know how you protect yourself? Abstinence. (laughs) (laughs) Until you're married. I mean, if you don't want to worry about it, don't get involved in it. They, but they want more education. I, I mean, they were te- they had they were teaching stuff about this when I was in high school, and the numbers have just gone up and up and up and up. Well, we so we just need more of the same education. I don't think anyone's confused about uh, what they're you know how to go about certain things. Clearly, from the numbers, <laughs> uh, the problem is that they're not keeping the law, the God's law, and you can ignore it or say, well, I don't care about that or that's outdated, but these diseases are still there. Well, God's laws on sex and marriage are often viewed as restrictive today. You you sometimes, every so often, it seems like maybe once or twice a year, you'll come across an article about this really rare couple that avoided any type of intimacy until they actually got married, and they were both virgins. That That is seen as just so out there and beyond the pale and way abnormal, uh, yet if we just think about it logically— Every single disease that's sexually transmitted would be non-existent if people just waited until marriage and then were faithful in marriage and with that one partner their whole lives. There would not be a single disease like that at all on, on the entire planet. Yeah, you could knock that dis- those diseases out within a couple of generations if they just simply uh, obey God's commands. Is that really restrictive to, to, to not have a horrible basically almost mutilating diseases like that. I mean, they act like you can just take a pill, but a lot of those things linger for quite some time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and yeah, it's just horrible. It's even kind of just gross to talk about it, but that's those numbers are exploding. And I, the reason it caught my attention mainly was because you see other stories where people say, oh, you know, all these numbers are down, everything's great, because people are figuring out how to, like, get around diseases and so forth. But uh, no, that's not the case. I mean, I was really surprised by the HIV, but see, that used to really scare people for a while. And then you've had some celebrities that have existed for a time with it and other people. And there's this, I think, sort of idea out there that, oh, there's medications for that, right? I mean, so-and-so is still alive. They have it, right? And so now people apparently aren't as afraid of those things anymore, where it used to be a death sentence. And I think it, it, in some cases it probably still is. Uh, When I was in school, they had two people come to talk to our school that they both had AIDS. To, to warn people about it, and that scared you. It scared everybody, I think, and uh, <clears throat> talking about their lives and how tough it was. And But now it seems like, according to these numbers, uh, people just aren't afraid anymore. Yeah, and like you said, as young as 14 years old, uh, that's just the product of the hookup culture, glorifying any type of immorality as long as it feels good in the moment. Just go for it all out. There have been other studies that show that a lot of young people outside of Um, this specific location are actually um, maybe a little bit less involved with other people, but it's because they're more involved with the online Mm -hmm. aspect of perversion. Uh, So it's not like in any case uh, people are becoming more moral and more focused on godly things. It's just either you have some casual partner or you go look at it online. That's what people are doing. It's just a, a cesspool out there. Yeah, and, and two, like you said, being that young and being just free to do whatever they want to and then saying, oh, yeah, we're just friends. That's what you do with your friends. No. Well, what makes somebody a, a spouse, though? 
Like, how do you even differentiate? They're not even talking like boyfriend, girlfriend. They're just friends. So what would constitute uh, a more serious relationship? It, it's all gone now. And it's a it's an attack on the family. How do you go from that to having a family? And, and having a husband and a wife and uh, yeah, well, there's no lines anymore. You know, there are lines that God put in place that say, that's a friend, that's a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> but those lines are gone. So now what do you have? It's just, it's nothing. Well, it used to be, and maybe this is looking backward, like Hillary Clinton said, it used to be you'd go from zero partners to then one partner a- in marriage. And that's that's how... Uh, the vast majority of people in America went went about things. Now it's you go from many, 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 many partners down to one. But then people say that monogamy isn't realistic because of their uh, perverted experiences with multiple partners. Uh, Megan Kelly had someone on her show uh, who had been married for nine years but with the same man for 18 years. Uh, but then they decided they were going to have an open marriage. And after a year, it was their marriage fell apart, obviously, because right. because they got I guess they got wandering eyes and then they decided to, to act on it. And sure enough, the marriage fell apart immediately. But that's just the trend of society. How can you really stick with one person if your whole life before getting married, you were with so many other different people? Yeah, that's the exact opposite of what Christ taught very clearly about it was that. You don't even you don't even look in that direction because it ends up being a problem. If it's in your heart, you're going to commit the act already. And here they say, well, for the kids or for anybody, well, you just need more education. Christ didn't say that. He said, stop thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Get your mind on something else. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, well, man knows better, right? Well, he, he literally <laughs> said to flee from it, to yeah. run full speed in the other direction, not to let your thoughts linger on it, not to make plans for enjoying evil. There's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about that. Uh, but people think, well, I can live right next to all this filth and I'll be fine. Or uh, maybe they'll eventually go along with it and then they're trapped. Yeah. It's a really dangerous uh, cycle people get into. So uh, some uh, some kind of bad stats there out of uh, that one county. Uh, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host, Stephen Flurry, that's coming up in a bit, uh, talks about a few things, including how the media is accusing the president of all kinds of things, but they're not, they won't look at themselves. <laughs> the, the things that they're accusing him of, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. They're, they're more guilty of it than anybody. And so it just continues to be this ongoing, uh, this ongoing battle. And I thought related to that, this was pretty interesting. <clears throat> the networks, this headline says the networks give less than a minute to house committees, no collusion findings. Nothing to see here. We don't care about that. On Monday, the House Intelligence Committee closed its inquiry into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election, much to the chagrin of the liberal media. The committee confirmed that the Russians were indeed trying to cause chaos in the election, claimed they weren't out to help candidate Donald Trump specifically, and that there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. But during their evening broadcasts, ABC and CBS downplayed the findings while NBC just flat out ignored them. CBS Evening News only gave 31 seconds to the House Committee's findings. <laughs> 31 seconds. Republicans <laughs> on the House Intel this is what they said. Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee said there was no collusion or coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russian and Russia during the 2016 election, reported anchor Jeff Glor. 
By the way, I, I don't, I've never found him very interesting, but uh, <laughs> he's a new guy, and he just seems stiff to I haven't me. seen him yet. Yeah. Well, you'll get a chance to. Uh, it says, they also say that while Russia tried to interfere with the elections, they do not agree with U.S. intelligence and that the Russians were trying to help Donald Trump. And then Glore followed that up by noting that committee's Democrats would be releasing their own findings. Well, I'm sure they will. Said Democrats on the House panel are expected to put out their own report with different findings. The Senate Intelligence Committee is also investigating Russian meddling, as is special counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, And then uh, uh, anchor David Muir uh, said this. uh, There's late word coming in from the House Intelligence Committee that they are moving up to wrap up the Russia investigation. Republicans on the committee saying they have found no evidence of collusion. And then uh, John Carl, who is a correspondent, appeared to be almost irritated by the committee's findings. He said, these are the Republicans that control that committee. Their finding is hardly surprising, he scoffed. And given how partisan that committee is, it's not going to have any impact on the overall debate over Russia. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) they are Republicans, but he should have noted also that the Democrats are the ones that are desperately looking for collusion because they hate the president. How about adding that fact in there? <laughs> you know, oh, it's just the Republicans. Right, because because on the left, boy, you're, fairness, fairness <laughs> abounds. They're just, they're going crazy over this Russian collusion, which is so uh, ridiculous. There's, there's two really great write-ups of thetrumpet.com about it. It's more than just ridiculous. It's quite frankly uh, treasonous in a lot of ways. And they just can't stop going after this. And then when the reports come out saying, look, we don't find anything, they ignore it or they give it 30 seconds of coverage or make their snide comments and they're right back on the same the same trail. Well, this is just the natural end result when uh, the concept of truth breaks down. You have the left saying that you can have your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, their truth, our truth, all different types of truths for all different types of people, when in reality there's one right and one wrong on every issue, probably many, many, many wrongs on every issue. Uh, There is always the truth of the matter, and then there are a lot of lies surrounding it. So that's what you have to think about here. He, He wants to, this person that you mentioned, wants to keep the Russia debate alive. Well, there is truth there, and there are lies. What is the truth? Are the the people who support President Trump, people involved with his campaign and his administration really colluding with the Russians? Is that actually happening? Or have they found no proof of that despite an investigation that has cost into the millions of dollars? They haven't found anything. And that's been their whole job to find collusion, and they haven't. So at what point can we acknowledge the truth here, which is that there is no collusion? Yeah, and they better be careful when they're digging because they might just... uh uncover their own feet <laughs> and, it keep, and it does keep exposing democrats doesn't it every time they keep on sh- showing how hillary clinton paid for the Steele dossier and, and funded that for opposition research and how uh, oh, barack obama and justice department or top law enforcement officials were talking about how they couldn't tell mr trump about the whole dossier all types of collusion and, and treason like you said that's the perfect word uh, those people should be dealt with accordingly because they're betraying the country. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it, there's, of course, also related to that protest. It says this is from AP. Protests to await uh, President Trump's visit to California border 
Rallies for and against Donald Trump's uh, border wall with Mexico are expected to mark his first visit to California as president amid growing tensions between his administration and the state over immigration enforcement. Yes, growing tensions indeed, I would say. Uh, He's going to visit some uh, different prototypes um, today and addressing the Marines in San Diego and attending a fundraiser in Los Angeles. They don't expect a lot of Hollywood stars at that one, surprisingly. (laughs) Uh, organizers on both sides were urging people to remain peaceful after recent scuffles at rallies in Southern California, including brawls December 9th. Um, so there's immigration activists and others uh, that are there uh, standing in front of murals of Mexican revolutionaries and other Latin American icons, which I don't understand why that's... <laughs> well, then do it on the other side. <laughs> uh, they chanted, we reject your hate. We don't need your racist wall. But, you know, you have to stop and say, yeah, but what is love? If you want to talk about hate, what is love? Well, love is keeping God's law. This is the love of God. Keep his law. And when it comes to man's laws, we're told <laughs> told to follow them as long as they're not in opposition to God's laws. That's what the Bible teaches on that. But when you break the laws, that's hate. You're breaking the laws. <laughs> why, do, why can't they just get to that? I mean, I know they don't want to, but that's the point of it all. You can talk about hate and love and all this stuff. You're breaking the law of the land. You want to come in legally? There's ways to do it. Stop breaking the law. <laughs> and I think that's what uh, uh, many Americans, I think at least half, I think that's their issue. Stop breaking the law. That's that's the whole issue. But they won't do it. It really does come down to just defining some of these different words. Like you said, uh, hate versus love, truth versus lies. Uh, what is racism is is racism really about just putting up a wall and protecting your nation's borders is literally every person who could possibly come across the border in either direction um a different race than president trump are they all because as far as i know there are a lot of white hispanics or white mexican people people who look just like a lot of us and so that wouldn't be racism simply to protect your country and a lot of a lot of people on the left who oppose the wall anyway actually say that um, they they don't want it because it would cost a lot of money. Oh, okay. So on this one issue, you're actually a fiscal conservative. Out of all the issues that you could possibly think of to save money, it has to be on protecting the nation's borders of all things. California Governor Jerry Brown said or he sent a letter to President uh, Trump, and he said, Uh-oh. "You see." He was explaining it to him. He said, you see, in California, we are focusing on bridges, not walls. Okay. I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. So you want to build a bridge to allow people to illegally pour into the country, including uh, gang members, including drug runners, including... It doesn't matter who you are. I don't even care if you are you know, you just want to get a job. It doesn't work that way. Where Where else does that work? Do you want to build a bridge across the Pacific, too? And maybe everybody from... China and, and Russia, they could just come living. The whole world can come live in California. And the whole thing would break off and drop to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, the, where else Where else does this make sense? You you can't just do, you can't just go wherever you want and say, well, I'm going to live here now. Well, I mean, and like has been pointed out, you remember the Pope came out and said, Bill Bridges or whatever, and people said, well, why don't you take the walls down from around the Vatican? Right. You know, well, same thing here. Okay, we'll let everybody live at your house, and you're the governor. You want to build bridges? Build a bridge into your yard. 
<laughs> well, no, I don't want to do that. Well, okay. You in California in, in LA, you've got fifty five thousand homeless people right now, and you want more people to come. What to to room next to them in another box? I mean, it just logistically doesn't make sense. Well, they've gotten rid of all thought and logic and replaced it with bumper stickers and slogans that sound nice and flowery language. Uh, you've already pointed out that doesn't mean anything to have a bridge coming into the country from all different directions. Apparently, uh, it wouldn't work, and especially because even all the people who their one crime, their one crime supposedly is crossing the border illegally and they're just hardworking Americans now. They are also committing identity fraud. They're stealing Americans' identities to even get those jobs that they have. Uh, and if you just had as many illegals as you did legal people, wouldn't everyone's identity eventually get stolen? How would you even uh, sustain a, a system like that? I mean, there's no reality there. He doesn't, the government doesn't acknowledge the actual situation he just wants to continue uh sprinting further and further left and i think too just about law in general what if somebody gets gets caught um uh, drunk driving and they they get in trouble i mean wouldn't they have a right to say well i don't know that that person came here legally they're not in trouble why should i have to follow this law you know why well you you can't pick and choose with laws Mm -hmm. you have to follow them all or quite frankly, you don't follow. I mean, people don't follow any. How can you enforce one and not enforce another? You have to enforce them all, or else, or else you got what you get away from the rule of law, which is what the United States was built on, supposed to be built on, and now it's a rule of dictators, or you know, or the king, or the the tyrant, whoever that comes in and says, "Well, I want to do it this way. Ignore that law. Keep this law." So <laughs> it's a disaster waiting to happen. The numbers are interesting. They make such a big deal out of it, like. Everyone's getting kicked out of the country. The numbers aren't that much different from last year to this year. Last year, 110,104 illegals were arrested. This year, it's 143,470. Actually, less have been deported, 226,000 to 240,000 from a year ago. So I don't know what even, what even the big uh, outrage is about some of that, uh, just as far as the numbers go. Um, there's 11 million, they think, that are undocumented right now in the U.S., best they can tell. It's got to be way more than that Probably in is. reality. They're coming 56% from Mexico, 4% from El Salvador, 7% from Guatemala. Where do they live? Uh, 7.2% in Nevada, 6.1% in Texas, 6% in California. Those are the top three states, which makes sense. I guess it's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, th- those are some big numbers just from the deportation standpoint, but it's nothing compared to how many people are here illegally. I mean, they're not even hardly scraping the surface of the n- amount of illegals that are actually here so what is the outrage all about uh and and like you said you do have to keep every law or they all break down it's just like in that book 1984 uh there are no laws literally no laws in all of socialist britain in that in that book and yet you can get put in prison for five years for a thought crime or you can get killed for it just whatever the people in charge randomly decide that's what your punishment is. So that's what happens. If you get rid of all law, then the people at the top have all the authority to just punish you however they please. And that doesn't sound too pleasant at all. No. Well, it's even funny. I mean, this uh, this recent uh, Time magazine here, the, uh, it's the, they have the whole feature on the immigration uh, question, I guess, the illegal immigration. And, you know, they've got the sad picture on the front of the, the lady and the kids, and they all look sad, and it says, ripped apart the cost of America's immigration crackdown. Well, 
oh, <laughs> you could have also made a cover with people that the many many people that have been killed by uh, illegals without driver's license. Uh, the lady that was shot in San Francisco. Yeah. There, there's there's just crime after crime after crime. You can put them up here too on the same magazine cover, but that that's not the the agenda. So I don't know how many people that would actually get this magazine was going to sit are going to sit down and actually read the article, but you see the cover. And it's it's sending a message, and the message is, uh, well, everybody should just be allowed to come here at their whim, and you can't you can't have it, you can't break up families and send people back. And, and again, it, the priorities are so distorted because it's talking about separating families. None of the illegals are dying; some of them are getting deported, and their families are choosing to stay here because it's a better place than their original country. Their families, if they wanted to, could go back home with those being deported, and the families wouldn't be getting broken up at all. On the other hand, you have people actually being murdered, people dying because of illegals who are in this country committing crimes. But apparently, the potential of breaking apart families is even worse, even though that's by the choice of those illegal families. Well, it's like anything that's that's uh, against the law or or is a sin. You know, if if you're involved in it for a long time, it's there's going to be some major changes to stop it. But what do you, what's the alternative? You just keep it going? You know, if you have somebody that's caught up in whatever the addiction might be and they want to stop it, it's going to be hard. It's, it's gonna, there's going to be some pain there. There's going to be some things you don't prefer. But that's the price because you broke the laws. So <laughs> it all comes down to law. And uh, there's a, a good uh, section here. We were going to get to this right at the end, and we've got time, I guess, to, to get in a little bit of it. We were going to take a different angle, but I think it does tie into the just the fact about keeping law or not keeping law. There's a really, really great book at thetrumpet.com on how to be an overcomer, and it talks about keeping law. And it has a section on how to be happy. And you look at that Time magazine cover, nobody's happy there. Uh, it says, God has revealed the way of life that gives us wonderful blessings. And when we violate that way, we bring misery and unhappiness into our lives. This is a specific law we're talking about here, Ten Commandments. And and how we also how we relate to the governments of the land in those laws. It says, Jesus Christ led an exemplary life so we can have a picture of the way we ought to live. And uh, he said uh, in John thirteen seventeen, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Hearing God's word does not make us happy. What makes us happy is the doing. You can look at Christ's example when he was on this earth. He wasn't an anti-government rabble rouser. <laughs> now, he, you know, he, he uh, taught God's truth and, and uh, God's kingdom, but he didn't come there to take over. He followed the laws of the land, so much so that he actually got killed. You know, he, he didn't run and, and, and uh, you know, remember when they came to get him and Peter cut off the guy's ear and he said, now put your sword away. You know what? And he healed the guy's ear, yeah, too. Did. The person who was going to take him to be killed, and he even healed that person. So, yeah, Christ was ultimately all about obeying laws and upholding government, even if it was the Roman government that eventually was going to crucify him. He was he, he obeyed that because that, that was what he had to do. I mean, even even before that happened, the intellectuals tried to challenge him about you know, should you pay taxes to Caesar uh, when when really your money belongs to God? And he said, well, look at the coin. It has Caesar's face on it. So you give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You, you do pay taxes if the government commands it. So in every area, whether it's big or small, you have to obey what the government's telling you unless it's in direct contradiction to God's law. 
Yeah. I mean, does anyone, anyone that's really looked at the Bible on any level, you, you can't honestly think that uh, Christ would say, oh, yeah, forget the laws of the land. You do what you want. That wasn't how he lived. And we have to look at his example and follow his direction. You know, now, obviously, if there was something that was against the law of God, then he would follow his father's law. But, you know, that doesn't come up all that often. Thankfully, here in the West, it's, people are allowed to kind of have a certain amount of freedom. And but but with freedom means you have to be a moral people and you have to follow the laws, the laws of the land. And uh, if you don't do that, then you're not nobody's going to be happy. You look look at the people that on either side of the immigration issue, uh, illegal immigration, we should call it what it is. Uh, is there any happiness there? Are you going to see happiness at these rallies and these protests and the screaming? No, there's no happiness because people aren't following the law of God. And more people are just going to get hurt at those rallies. If they if they show up uh, to support or to protest President Trump there in California, there will be some violence, and, and some people are going to get hurt from that. Uh, there's just no happiness, wh- whatever side you're on right now. One side is at least closer to the truth, but still, uh, a lot of people in this country just do not respect the laws of the land, and they obviously... Uh, w- many of those people, even if they do respect the laws of the land, would scoff at the the idea that God's in charge and the, he's the one who gave us all those blessings in the first place. Right. And even for somebody that, say, is in a country that's not great or it's not ideal, but you 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 know know some of God's word and you strive to obey it, he'll bless you where you are. Is that too much for him? He couldn't do that? You have to take it into your own hands and break the law and then think you're going to be blessed for that? doesn't work that way. So it's uh, it's quite a, an interesting situation. How to Be an Overcomer is just a fantastic book. There's a lot more to look at there. That's uh, all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure this is for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Those are coming up here in just a bit on KPCG. For Grant Turgeon, myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.